And welcome to season one of the Chela to Chela podcast, featuring interviews and conversations with disciples of our Gurudev, Paramahansa Yoganandaji. I'm your host, Brenda Roberts, and in the Chela to Chela podcast, we will be talking with devotees from all over the world, connecting informally on a heart, soul, and day-to-day level. In season one, we'll be talking with devotees from Italy, India, Germany, and many parts of the USA. You'll be hearing heart-touching and loving tributes about our Guruji, and you'll also hear those sweet, inspiring stories of how I found Master. You are the guest today is Kirsten Gerhardt. Where are you from, Kirsten? I'm from Augsburg in Germany. And where is Augsburg? Augsburg is in Bavaria. It's near the capital of Bavaria, near Munich. So Munich is like the airport that you might fly out of? Mm-hmm. And do you have a, uh, an SRF group in Augsburg? Um, it's not directly in Augsburg. It's about um, 15 miles south of Augsburg in actually a very small village called Langeringen. Well, I'm not going to try to say that. Uh-huh. So, um, Kirsten, how long does it take you to get to your group? Well, we're lucky because we live in the south of Augsburg, so it takes me about 20 minutes to get there. 20 minutes. That's not bad. It takes me um, 30 minutes to get to the Escondido Center where, yeah. where I attend. And how many people are in your group, Kirsten? In the group well, it's hard to tell the exact number. All I can tell you is that I'd say a regular meditation will average about 10 to 12. But then special events, events might be up to 20, over 20 people. 
And are they mostly longtime devotees or do you get a lot of new people? How does that work for you guys? Mm, I wouldn't say we get a lot of new people. Um, occasionally there's somebody new. I'd say the people who attend are anything between maybe almost 30 years of membership to mo most of them maybe around 15 or something. Wow. You've got a, a core group there. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, those people that come regularly, they've been on the path for a while. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, before we get to the big question of how you found Guruji, you have a you have a retreat center, and SRF has a, a is it a monastery or tell us about that? What well, that? Germany happens for whatever reason to be the only place outside of, I believe, America and India that actually has an ashram. Aha. Uh -huh. It's an ashram. It's a nun's ashram in Nuremberg. Um, Nuremberg is also in Bavaria, a little bit more north. Uh huh. And um, together that, with that, we do have a retreat now in Germany, which is about four hours away from Nuremberg. Um, it's in a beautiful and tiny, tiny village in the Black Forest called Bermersbach. Wow. I have no That's idea how Master got onto that little village. <laughs> oh, and that's enchanting, totally enchanting. So what, you, you hold retreats there for all of Germany, or how does that work? Well, anybody can come. So we have people from other European countries as well, but mostly, obviously, German and German-speaking. Um, sometimes we get nuns from America to visit and hold retreats in English, but only maybe once a year. Uh-huh. Um, and the nuns from Nuremberg, they come, I believe it's twice a month to hold a retreat. So it's not open all the time. They don't have enough staff for that right now. I know, but twice a month is fantastic, don't you? Think? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that because um, I didn't know that. And I bet there are a lot of devotees that are listening that didn't know it. And how long has that um, been there? Do you call it an ashram, yes? No, the ashram is in Nuremberg, and the retreat is in Bermersbach, and the retreat has been there for about 10 years. I believe the ashram, let me think, I think it was set up in 86 or something, so that's been there for a while. Really good. Okay, da-da, drumroll, here's the question, how did you find Master? <laughs> well, I'd rather put it Master found me, but... Um, Great, I think we can all feel that. <laughs> So how how did you find each other, right? Because you you had to have been searching, so there was a there was a find in there for you, no? Um, there was definitely a um, scream for help, I would call it, on my part. Uh huh. So, well, I was um, I was pretty desperate fairly early in my life. I would say when I was about seventeen, I hit rock bottom in the sense that I had no idea what to do with my life but also I knew I wanted to know what this was all about before I made any major decisions mm. and I felt completely misunderstood by my family <laughs> um, <laughs> I bet there's but, a lot of devotees out there that are saying whoa I know what you mean girlfriend okay and I couldn't make sense of, a, sense of a lot of things that were 
that they were doing and that were affecting my life was were affecting my life a lot mm. um and i decided to move out and just distance myself a little bit from them and so for the first time in my life i basically was on my own and you kind of faced with yourself a lot more when you're not constantly distracted by others yeah and i just realized how much anger and pain there was inside of me and i just couldn't hold those emotions back anymore and they came to the fore almost like in a water that couldn't be contained in a um lake anymore or something like a dam that broke mm-hmm. um i think i was just basically so deeply screaming for help without defining who i was addressing this to yeah um and i think the first thing i realized that the more i just didn't even try to hold those emotions back but went right into them the more they just kind of seemed to clear away and instead other um layers of consciousness came to the fore layers that i hadn't even known they were there and i seemed to be getting into much more quieter waters and deeper waters uh-huh so i felt like an answer or as answers to this scream for help were given layers of consciousness that were much more soothing than what i knew before and also with them came certain experiences and an understanding of you know more deeper aspects of life and what i realized also and that was almost shocking to me in some ways was it's almost like there was an entity answering you know there was a personal element it wasn't just like you got your emotions out of the way it was you got an answer from some something from some place somewhere somehow yeah yeah this is exciting although for you probably was it exciting or was it intriguing or do you remember what your feelings were with that it was unbelievably comforting on one level um what was interesting my mind kind of felt like telling me i was going crazy mm. but somehow it didn't have the authority anymore for me to believe it wow that's big <laughs> <laughs> okay keep going it felt anciently familiar that you get answers you know it felt like i've stumbled across a mechanism that i knew that was there but wasn't remembering wow. and yet what i felt at the time i remember that very clearly it put me in contact with something so big and on the other hand into complete isolation because i felt there was absolutely nobody that i knew that i could possibly mention this to <laughs> uh, i wouldn't even know how to put, put it in words yeah yeah uh, i i think um from what i've heard from other devotees that uh, aloneness is part of the the cleaving isn't it from from perhaps the circumstances you were born into until you come into your own um soul awareness and and wanting to go into that inner space 
it is a very solo journey. So if, and you can't take anybody with you, right? So <laughs> as you said, you can't even talk to anybody about it. Well, what I just felt is that, you know, the people that I had known up to this point in my life were not people that would understand. Uh-huh. So, and I hadn't met anybody yet that was spiritual. So I just felt like, oh my God, you know, where am I and who am I? And where are people who can understand what I've just, I'm just experiencing? Uh-huh. And, then- and the, at, at the same time, what I thought was so soothing and so fascinating was it seemed to um, distance me inwardly from the turmoils of my family that were giving me so much grievance. And I felt in a very secure place and I could just watch the stuff for what it was. Um, And it couldn't touch me that much anymore. Because you were inside instead of being outside and buffeted and trying to fix or understand what was going on, right? You 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 had gone into a center of calmness within. No doubt from lifetimes of spiritual work, because Guruji says we don't come to this path at the beginning of our journey. Yeah. So continue, please. Looking back, I would say a couple of things happened. Number one, I felt I was completely put on autopilot for a few months or even years in the sense that I felt such clear directions as to what to do. and. The funny thing was that I couldn't resist those directions. I had an innate trust that that was correct. Um, it was a time where a lot of snippets, you say, of uh-huh. possible experiences were given to me, I think just to give me a taste of what's in there, so to speak. The proverbial carrot, yes. And at the same time also to guide me. Mm. I mean, I didn't have a formal, obviously a formal meditation practice or anything yet. So I needed other forms of guidance. It's interesting because once I got on the path, it's almost like these kind of experiences stopped, you know, (laughs) and I I was, you know, it wasn't that I wanted them or anything, but there was a time where it's almost like given, yeah, you can have this and that, and that can, this and that can happen. (laughs) And looking back, I felt like, my goodness, I've never had that. It was only in that during that time. Kind of to pull you in, huh? Rope you in. So then how did you find Guruji? How did Guruji find you? you you've had this um, epiphany, this transformation, and everything's going well, and you're centered. And, and Well, it didn't really go well. There was a lot of dramatic outer changes. I mean, I... I was still pretty angry at my family. I left Germany for another part of my family who lived in Britain. I enrolled in a school there. And then, and and this was all under, to be honest, it was really all under inner guidance. And then I went to London one weekend and I met somebody who's turned out to be my future husband. On our first meeting, he started telling me about his, um, how do you call it, gypsy grandmother who was, royalty you know they had royalty in the gypsy Uh Um, and she could read people or she could tell people's fortune or future Uh and she also um, appeared to him after her death and told him things 
And you knew, as he was telling me these things, it's almost like, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't just words. They were just experiences. I could almost sense exactly what all of that was. And he was the first person I could then also relate to or could trust with what happened to me. Uh-huh. And so that was that instant connection between us. It was also the first person that I met who, who was on, who has had his own spiritual path and who had a meditation practice and gave me a sense of this is something you can, you know, you can do something in that whole thing. You don't just rely on snippets being given to you. There's actually a methodical way of pursuing a spiritual life. Uh-huh. And I remember very well that, you know, he meditated regularly. He didn't necessarily call it that, but I, he just sat down, closed his eyes. And I, most of the time I sat next to him when he did that. And I could just feel what was going on. And I thought that's pretty cool. And so I, I got a sense of what meditation is, what a meditation practice is, et cetera. And then basically, I guess when I was ready for it, um, I just went home. I was living in London with him at the time, and I went home um, to see my parents one day. And my mother was actually extremely worried about me during all that time because I suddenly, she could see all these changes and she couldn't really probably understand them. And so when I was visiting her, she, she and my stepsister had read D.A.Y., and for some reason, she thought that that person could help me. <laughs> so she handed me the AY. And I just looked at it and I remember saying, well, why on earth does he put a picture of his wife on the book? <laughs> that was my first response. <laughs> but then I read it and um, there was just this knowing that every word in this book was absolutely true. And it's almost like, my mind kind of completely surrendered and says, okay, 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 I'm going to rearrange everything else to suit that new knowledge now. Because obviously there were many things in there that I had no idea about. But there was never a question as to whether this is true or not. And um, the first thing that happened basically was quite unexpected expected in some ways and yet expected in other ways. My husband died in November. You know, it was almost like, okay, I got you so far. Um, now you found your own path and you can carry on from there. Soon after my husband died, actually, I just called and ended up talking to a nun. And uh, I also expressed for some reason I, I kind of in my mind I felt okay I've been married I'm a widow now I'm 23 by then <laughs> um, you know check that one off well what's my next thing well I'm, I just become a monastic now you know <laughs> so I expressed interest in that and she very kindly said why don't you check out Nuremberg which is the German ashram mm-hmm. and um, so I, I made contact with with them fairly soon and I I was at university at the time, but during my next um, holiday, I went to the Nuremberg Ashram. So it was the lessons in Guruji, but I also made that very early connection with the organization in a direct way. 
and you've you've been very active, haven't you, in, in various uh, ways of service to the larger organization, isn't it? I would say the organization was very active in various areas of service to me, <laughs> in the sense that I'm so grateful that I was able and am still able to often serve so closely. What do you feel? How would you describe Guruji's role in your life? Father, mother, friend, beloved, <laughs> guide, teacher, <laughs> everything. Um, do you relate to one aspect or another or all of them at the same time? Or do you find that over your uh, sadhana, um, you've kind of gravitated to one aspect or another? I think since I lost my earthly father at age three and a half, um, the father aspect, but not in the way of the um, the hard father or anything, but the really, you know, me being the absolute small child and the loving father the, the very loving father yeah oh, that that aspect seems to very nice and uh what would you say the the role of devotion has played in your sadhana well it's funny for me devotion has never been that soft flowery gentle thing i think that Dream that I uttered <laughs> at age 17 and in in some ways I guess I've never stopped screaming you know um, that I would call devotion you know it's strange but it's it's that urge wanting needing God yeah yeah so sweet okay G and have you have you encountered dry spells and if so, how have you dealt with them? Can you share that with us? As I said earlier, I don't think, I wouldn't call them dry spells somehow. I would rather call them slacking off. What do you say that slacking? Uh-huh, uh-huh. A little bit. Um, there were times here and there where I felt I got too comfortable. I think in, in many ways to me now, I would say the spiritual past is is also constantly letting go seeing what really is right for you in the moment and not getting into a rut or getting into a habit or just carrying on things because they're easy or because and it is that um letting go it sounds like it's also actually um taking guruji's hand in that letting go-ness is it totally yeah that's the only thing you hold on to yeah and everything else is only okay as long as it really serves you getting there. Jai Guru. So when you say everything and letting go, is it correct, uh, Kirsten, that what you're talking about is not only interior attachments, but your day-to-day -day activities, the people you meet, the circumstances that come up, the challenges, etc. Does it also apply to those that I'm... I'm thinking, but I'd like to hear your, your take on that. Absolutely. And also letting go of achievements, of securities, of things that you think are nice. <laughs> you're not talking, I don't think you're talking about deprivation, right? You're not talking about um, self-deprivation, but you're talking no. more about faith and comfort in Guruji's care. I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, uh, is that, uh, would you say it some different way? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, letting go doesn't mean you're losing something. You can let go of the thought of lack, for example, and receive a lot. So I, I think it's always on to higher and bigger things and never on to losing something. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Letting go is letting go of your small humanness and your small expectations and just opening your view and your receptivity to bigger and bigger um, possibilities and gifts. Yes. And how I would put that also is that it's built on a foundation of trust and faith. Um, totally, yeah. In that divine care. So that really bespeaks of this really melting into the practice of the presence of God in ways that we don't usually um, uh, hear about it. You know, we're not just we're we're not just practicing an affirmation. We're not just um, doing a mantra or japa yoga, but rather we're practicing the presence of God, as you describe it, with this. Um, moment to moment introspection. Does this get me closer to you or not? Does that ring a bell or would you put it some other way? Yeah, I mean, without introspecting, in my case at least, being something that I constantly do mentally, mm -hmm. it's more, um, I think, the constant questioning do I really want you enough? you know, not being too tied up with all the things that life presents to you, but just always keeping your goal, not just mentally, but also emotionally um, alive and well. Alive, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, alive and well, as Sister Giannamata said, to keep your goal ever shining before you, isn't it? And and the whole of it is how to be in the world, but not of it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful, wonderful path Gurji has given us and so sweet. Do you want to leave us with anything? What's been the most whatever, if you want to say the most challenging part of your sadhana and the most rewarding? I think just realizing that this world cannot, can absolutely not satisfy. I think to have that realization and that knowledge fairly early in life is maybe the biggest present that one can be given. I don't know. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm so grateful for that. Um, no, I, I don't know why I got this early in life, but I'm on my knees in gratefulness for it. The most challenging thing maybe is this constant, what does Sayama say, niti niti, or how do you say that? Not, not this, not that yeah just yeah. this constant sifting through your life or going through everything and just throwing out, out what doesn't serve you the discrimination um, part huh yeah exercising discrimination yeah is the, is the challenge um and maybe one challenging thing is also because obviously i live in the world in the sense i have to do with so many non-srf people and, and, and just tell us about that. Don't lose your train of thought. But you're you're a teacher of art. Yeah, I teach art at a kind of high school college level in Germany, and um, and you teach yoga. I do a little bit of yoga. I've got maybe the smallest yoga studio in town. 
once a week, <laughs> but and, we love it. <laughs> and the and the thing that I always mispronounce shiatsu, is it? Yeah, it, that was um, interesting because once I got on the path, I I didn't really want to look left or right, but some practices and shiatsu is an energetic. Um, it works with the meridian energies in the body, and it was almost like master directed me to that so and it it brought out tremendous it just helped me clear old old experiences from this life um they seem to be stored in the body and and so it just helped me a lot in the beginning and that's why i ended up doing that um and i love it in many ways i don't practice a lot of it i just do it as a sideline my main job is teaching so so now, do you remember what you're going to say? Because I, I totally interrupted. You. Um, yeah, I think what I was going to say was that you know, obviously, our lives are lived among non-devotees as well. Yeah. Um, just to completely keep your own integrity and your own goal, and yet not minding, not or not expecting, or and not minding not to be understood. You know, it just. Oh. You just have to play your role and be sweet, be kind, and yet knowing there's no way you can be fully understood in that environment. Uh -huh. Wonderful. Kirsten, it's been so nice to chat with you, and I really appreciate your um, sharing with us things that are, are so precious, and I think that there will be many devotees listening that will have at least the experience that I've had of being thrilled to visualize and know from our own experience how Master is so wonderful in our lives. And he's, you know, the, the guru finds the devotee in desolate places and puts them to a wonderful shoulder. From the fountain of your you are the sun. Well, dear friends, it's wonderful to hear these stories, isn't it? And in just a few moments, I have a great quote of Guruji's to share with you. But first, if you would like access to the private page where guest contact and other information is posted, it's free and easy. Just email to subscribe to the mailing list. The email address is subscribe at soulcallsinfinity.org. For those of you who may be driving or jogging while listening, no worries, the link to subscribe will be in the show notes. The Chela de Chela podcast is sponsored by Soul Calls Infinity, and the music is courtesy of Soul Calls Music Meditations by Saranya. I'm your host, Brenda Roberts, and I'd love to share your story. Email me for guest guidelines and preparation details. That's Brenda at soulcallsinfinity.org. Looking forward to sharing the next episode with you where we'll be meeting another uniquely devoted disciple of our beloved Master, Paramahansa Yoganandaji. And now, in closing, 
Let's listen to this quote of Master, given by Brother Achilanandaji in the 1986 Self-Realization magazine. Master said, We all come from God. Once we were strangers, but when we love God, we become brothers and sisters. That relationship is the strongest of bonds it holds now and in the hereafter. So, dear ones, until next time, let us join together in affirming it's a wonderful life with Guruji in it. Jai Guru Jai. There is nothing left to do, Lord, but to love you constantly. You are the center of my life. You are the center of my life. You are my refuge. You are my 